Hey guys, this is Tyler Padgett. I'm the lead pastor of the Courageous Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. And my hope is that this podcast encourages you, that it builds your faith, and that it pushes you to make a difference. You can join us in person on the weekends, Sundays at 9.30 and 11, at any one of our locations across the Ozarks. Check out our social media pages to find a campus near you. I believe you're listening today for a reason. Let's do this. Turn up the volume and let's go. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Courageous Church today. Let's give it up for Jesus. I am so glad you're here. And welcome, welcome, welcome. I want to tell you about something important. May 13th, Bold Men's Night. I want all the men to be there on May 13th. All the men, repeat after me, May 13th. After work. Just come. There's a, there must be exclusively females in this corner of the building. I didn't hear any masculine voices. Let's say it again. May 13th. That's better. Listen, I want you there. If Courageous is your church, I want you there. And if you don't come, when I see you, I'm going to ask you why you weren't there. So we're going to walk into the awkwardness. Just know that's coming on the back end, okay? There's one thing I will get after you about, sir. It's about being at our bold nights because I believe it will help make you a better man. It's one of the things that we deeply care about when it comes to formation, when it comes to building a life, when it comes to serving God, is a proper definition and a proper lived out manhood, honoring God, honoring your family, leaving a legacy. And so there's going to be some awesome stuff. There's always an element of danger. Of course, last bold, we gave away a flamethrower. Look at your neighbor and say, flamethrower which was exciting, and it helped a lot of people during the uh, snowstorm this year. You're able to just shovel your snow with that. But uh, this year we're giving away an amazing flaming crossbow. Yes, you could light it on fire if you want to, but I was out shooting it this week, and it will bless your soul, and it will help you, sir. If you register early, you can win that crossbow. But beyond that, we're going to have an amazing word. I, am, I, am gonna, I have a word burning in me for men, I'm going to make all the women leave the room. That's how intense it's going to be, which is in a good way, in a, I'm so glad you came to church today way, but it's important. It's like a burning fire in my soul that I want to transfer. I have no notes. I have burning passion to share with you on that night, and I'm going to do it in 20 minutes. I want you there, okay? I want you there. It's like, it's, 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 it's like a, have you ever made spaghetti sauce? Have you ever boiled it too long and it starts popping out all over the counter and you got to clean it up? This is an Italian reference because my mother's here today. I'm so glad my Italian mother is here. Give her a hand for her. Northside, just trust me, she looks like she could have, she could have given birth to some mafiosos, okay? My mother is here, and so I'm glad she's here. Um, but I want you there because it's boiling up inside of me. We're going to have a, like a BMX show like a like like guys could they could hurt themselves and that's what we like to see we want an element of danger the possibility of being you know wounded men speak to me come on if there's not an element of danger I don't want to go that's why we like chainsaws so much does that make sense that's why we like firearms and fast cars loud music those things all bless us okay so let's get into the word of God this morning I, I feel like I feel like it's going to be 100% participation on bold so we can move on now. I don't know about y'all, but McDonald's has changed. McDonald's used to have like eight counters. It used to have spacious, multi-leveled 
multi-tiered dining rooms. Anybody remember that? Yeah, you go to a McDonald's now, there's one kiosk, they've got a bakery and a coffee stand going on here, and then there's like seating for five, come on. When the man of God's standing before you today, and welcome Northside, I didn't say that, but you know you're welcome, but I want to say it. When the young man of God standing before you today was yet a young man of God in his six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old time, is anybody smiling out there? I'm I call myself the man of God to make you smile. You're not in a cult. <laughs> they used to host birthday parties at McDonald's. You could order a custom, Mc listen children, you could order a custom McDonald's cake. They'd make it in the store. Don't know how. I don't know what they had was like, put away the fryers, bring out the cake decorating items. We're baking a cake today because little Tyler's coming to have his birthday party. And they would have a full-on birthday party where a McDonald's attendant would come out and be your concierge service for the entire party. Can you imagine going and trying to book that now? I ask you to go... <laughs> To any McDonald's in the greater Greene County area and try to set up this amazing breakfast, not breakfast, amazing birthday feast party, they will look at you like you have done lost your mind. You want us to do what? You want us to have a certain person to sign to you the whole time? Does anybody remember a McDonald's? I know I'm old, but I'm talking about the truth today. Anybody remember a McDonald's birthday party? I had one with a Ronald McDonald cake. All my friends came and it was a huge deal because everybody got their own Happy Meal and a cake. And then you'd play on the outdoor playground they used to have and they'd set up buckets and you'd play something akin to the Bozo Show on WGN, the grand prize game. Things have changed, people. Now, when you go to McDonald's, you're going to go through the drive-through 99% of the time, and they're going to try to keep the lobby closed forever. Anybody bitter about that? I wish there was more bitterness in God's house this morning. So bitter, thank you. Uh, like, they, basically, when you go to McDonald's now, you come through, you order it through the window, and if they're not ready, they kick you into a different part of the parking lot, make you wait to get your food, then they send you on your way and they'd prefer you not come in. Anybody know that I'm talking about the truth? The Bible, it's about the Bible, <laughs> that was about the Bible, is not set up that way at all. Jesus never calls us to cold drive-through service. He calls us to a banquet feast. And I, just to make it make sense for people that live in the Ozarks, it's a barbecue. And for all of my friends and neighbors that know what I'm talking about, it's a cookout. Yeah, it's a cookout. It's a cookout. Now, there's a difference between a cookout and a barbecue. And there's obvious reasons that I bring this up because at a cookout, you're going to have hamburgers and hot dogs because you're cooking out. But at a barbecue, you can move farther down into the barnyard and you'll have pork and chicken and brisket. 
Someone lift your hand and say, yes, Lord, let it be right now. Come on, receive that word. Juicy, delectable chicken on the barbecue. Okay. Jesus calls us to something with way more preparation, way more time, way more connectivity than just making you wait in the parking lot of a drive-thru. He brings you to his banqueting table, the Bible calls it. And there's two instances of this I want to talk about today. One is in heaven, and it's in Revelation 19. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. It is the meal that we'll eat with our Lord on the other side of heaven. We will all come together, and we'll sit down with Jesus. And and, and I don't have time, really. I spent so much time on McDonald's, I don't have time to read the full section here. But let's just go to Revelation 19 and 7. It says, let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast or marriage supper, if you've read the King James, of the lamb and his bride, that's us, has prepared herself. God is pulling on us to get us to there because he wants to celebrate with us in heaven. Right? Anybody ever planned a wedding? There should be a lot more of a visceral reaction than that when I say, anybody ever planned a wedding? Anybody ever put together a guest list? Anybody ever decided who's going to sit where? I would rather be drugged behind a car in the desert than have to figure out that stuff. And then it takes forever to get anybody to RSVP. Come on! I was listening to the Steve Harvey morning show this week. And he was, I love it when Uncle Steve takes questions. It's wonderful when he does. And a lady sent in a question. She said, Steve, I have been invited to a wedding in August, and it's February. And they want to know if I want the salmon or the chicken. How do I know how I'm going to wake up on that day and what I want? And he's like, but Uncle Steve, you know, he, he doesn't play. He tells her, he says, well, obviously you've never planned anything before. Obviously, you don't know how much money is involved. Obviously, you don't know how complicated all this is. Jesus, his advice was, just pick the chicken. But that's the thing. You can't, you can't get a bunch of people together without a bunch of planning involved. And we're coming up in this season where there's going to be barbecues, there's going to be weddings, there's going to be stuff. And, 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 and this parable today in this series talks about Jesus. And he, he, he's going to a barbecue, he's going to a party, but he's also going to tell a story about a spiritual party that relates to both now and then the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven I talked about. So you ready to do this? All right. Jesus in Luke 14 was invited to dinner by the angry religious people, the angry religious people, the Pharisees, the ones who thought they had a corner and market on God, the ones who believed they were the only, they they were the good ones, they were the Navy SEALs, and everybody else was just at a lesser level, right? That's what they thought. And so um, on the Sabbath day, the Pharisees amped it up a bit and got crazier because it was the day they could really enforce all their rules on people, right? And so these people that were the Pharisees, they led the worship in the temple. They oversaw the reading of the law. They enforced the rules of the old covenant. 
okay? And so these people loved it. They loved enforcement. They loved being God's enforcement arm, right? These are not fun people, but they invited Jesus over, and Jesus had time for them. You can't hate people that, that have hurt you in the past or that have frustrated you and feel like somehow you have the heart of Jesus. It's the heart of a loving father, not the younger brother from last week or the, 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 the older brother, okay? It's, it's the heart of the father, and so Jesus recommends that. But it is an odd place for Jesus to go to dinner because he's going to dinner with a bunch of people who really just want him dead, and they're bringing him there to entrap him. Have you ever had lunch or dinner with somebody who hates your guts? And you have to play nice. Like, Jesus is in an environment where they really do honestly hate him, right? And they hated more than anything that, that Jesus performed miracles, healed the sick, and more than that, they claimed that he, he, was, he claimed to be God. He claimed to be one with God. And so Jesus comes in, and he's very observant. So this is in the first part of the section, not reading, but it's in Luke 14. He comes in, and you're not allowed to do anything on the Sabbath, and so they brought everybody there. But one dude has the dropsy, okay? The dropsy. Anybody know what the dropsy is? I thought it had to do with the bowels, and, but it's not. It's severe swelling, edema or anemia. It's not anemia, it's edema or something. I read the word, but it just escapes me now. But it's severe swelling. There's somebody at the table that looks like they have a bee allergy and they've been stung by 100,000 bees, all puffed up. I have a picture of it, but it's just too gross to show. So I'm getting older, and I'm not going to show it to you, but Tyler 10 years ago would have showed you the picture. But you can pull out your phone and do a Google image search for dropsy, and you'll know what I'm talking about. It ain't pleasant. It looks like elephantitis of the face. All right. So Jesus walks in, and he knows they're trying to entrap him. They didn't bring him there because they liked him. They brought him there to scrutinize him and to catch him doing something. And so Jesus sees this guy who's obviously suffering, and they want to have a good time while somebody at the table is suffering, and Jesus cares more about people than he does about religious rules, and so Jesus heals the sick man. And all of a sudden, the swelling all goes down. It's like he took his Holy Ghost EpiPen. Ha! Ah! <laughs> Any bee allergy suffers in the house today. Yeah, praise God for that EpiPen. So Jesus takes his Holy Ghost EpiPen and sticks him with it. Really, he just says, be healed. And all the man's swelling just goes away. And the religious people aren't mesmerized and thankful for that. They are kind of aggravated by it. And so he's doing that to confront them with good. Jesus didn't confront them with evil. He confronted them with good. We are to confront people with good. That's why the Bible says to love your enemies and to do good to those who despitefully use you. Can I have an amen? amen. All right. So here's Luke 14 and 12. Then he turned to his host, okay? This has all happened. He's come in. He's given him a lecture about, you know, when you get invited to a party, don't take the special seat. Take a lesser seat and then wait for the coast to, 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 to bring you to a better seat. Then he healed that guy. So now he's at verse 12. And so this is a religious guy who's invited a bunch of other religious guys who make the same amount of money as him, who have the same level of or greater prestige than him. His special circle click, his, his us four no more, his us six doing the same tricks. Come on, somebody. His special click. Verse 12, then he turned to his host, the guy who invited him, and Jesus, who doesn't care. 
Jesus who does not worry about tension. Jesus who drinks tension like fine Gatorade on a hot day says, when you put on a luncheon or banquet, when you invite me to the barbecue, he says, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors. Don't reserve your best for the people you have deemed to be perfect. Look at your neighbor and say, well, I could learn something from that. Say, that fine preacher up there is preaching to me. Go ahead and say it. Don't drop the word fine. Say it. Some of you said it, but you don't believe it. But God's going to change your mind. Don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors. For they will invite you back. And that will be your only reward. Verse 13. Jesus shows us the heart of Christianity here. He shows us what it looks like to have a changed heart where we're not concerned with elitism and status and climbing a social ladder and doing things to be accepted by others only to be accepted by God. He says in verse 13, instead invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Invite people that don't have the ability to pay you back. And here's the other beautiful thing about this. None of his rich friends were super impressed by the party he threw. They could throw an equivalent party or better. But when he tells these people to, to invite the, the lame, the blind, the crippled, and the poor, what's going to be awesome is they're going to love it. They're going to come to the party and say, look here, they've got deviled eggs with paprika, fresh paprika, and three kinds of potato salad. They got the mustard kind and the mayonnaise kind. This is the best party of my life. None of the Pharisees felt that way. They were not impressed at all. 14. Then the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Jesus saw that his host chose guests from a sense of exclusivity and pride. It's pretty gutsy of Jesus to criticize the host of the dinner party at that host's dinner party. But what he's sharing there is his heart for there to be a full banquet that exists for us today that God himself throws and is the host. And he wants these religious people to know that the party God throws invites everybody and nobody's excluded. God sets the table of eternal life, of salvation, of freedom from sin and death. And the beauty of it is, it's not just available for a select few. It's not just available for the people that seem to be really good at rule keeping. It's available for people who didn't have a good start in life. It's available for people that have had some stuff happen to them. It's available for people that have had some bad luck. It's available for everybody. It's not exclusive in the sense that anybody can come. The Bible says, the Bible says that the salvation that we receive is freely given. It's for everybody. And so the best banquets, the banquets that fulfill the heart of God, have an open invitation, right? Verse 15. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table 
you know, hearing this, he says, do that, and, and he misses it. It goes over his head. One of these religious guys that got the invitation, it's one of the elite, says, uh, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. What a blessing it will be. He's making an assumption when Jesus is trying to correct them, he's saying, I'm sure I'm right. That's dangerous, isn't it? That kind of hypocrisy. When Jesus is correcting you and you're only pushing back with, <laughs> tell them, <laughs> I'm one of the special ones. He says, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. I've already got my ticket punched. <laughs> this guy had white shorts on and a sweater vest tied around his neck when he said it. So Jesus has to fix things. And so to fix things, he tells a story. Verse 16. A man prepared a great feast, like what McDonald's used to do, and sent out many invitations. Facebook is the worst for this. You can post your event, and you have options. Yes, maybe, interested, no. Can we just move it to yes or no? But people don't like to be super committed because better opportunities may come, I guess. And so he tells a story to guys that were confident. They were right, the only company to make it into the Lord's banquet. And the assumption that they were making is, <laughs> you can bring all those people you want to around, but it's just going to be us. We're the only ones. And they're looking at Jesus, nodding their heads, saying, don't you just love us, you know, the good ones? And Jesus starts telling the story. And the reason they felt that way is because they lived their life by such a high moral code. They, they were kosher. They only ate Hebrew national hot dogs. They were rigid. They were clean. They were wealthy. They were powerful. And they were focused. And, 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 and that was correct but Jesus is wanting to shift their attention off of themselves. Did I yell that like I was angry? Because I'm not. I just want to make that point that we can't live for Jesus and be focused on ourselves all the time. It's not about me. It's not about you. The moment we get saved, it becomes about others. People need Jesus. The only way you can be saved is because and through Jesus. And so we must live others-focused lives, you know? Okay. And so uh, Jesus invited many, and, and, and that's the kind of church we are. Like, we're, we're not an exclusive country club church. We are not. We will not be. I will blow it all up and start over if that happens because I've been broke before, and I could be broke again. I'm at a, it's, it's God's church. And we can't have the kind of church that, that looks at hurting people that have problems in their marriages, which is 99% of us, people that have habits and make mistakes and, 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 and want to do right but can't all the time, can't be the kind of place that says, <laughs> we knew you wouldn't make it.
Jesus is inviting us to come to the banquet. And the riches of the banquet are not based upon your behavior. The riches of the banquet are based upon his invitation to you. Whosoever will. Whosoever will. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him. Whosoever. All right? And so it's part of our selfish nature to believe and want exclusive rights to God. Like, <laughs> And Jesus just hates that over and over again because that is selfish thinking. It's self-focused. Jesus is coming exclusively to disrupt their exclusivity. He came to eliminate the idea of religion and open people's hearts and minds wide to faith in him. He was trying to get those people at the table to not think inwardly but to think outwardly, and he'll always do the same for us. We are not doing things based on our own comfort here. If we were, we'd be running it a lot different, and there'd be more, there'd be more in the budget for pastoral massages. Come on, somebody. That ain't about that. It ain't about me. I'm not. The, the, Jesus is big, and we should be small. Let him be big. Let this be a Jesus church. I don't care if anybody knows your name or my name, but do they know Jesus? That's, that's the thing. So he was opening wide the invitation to himself and trying to get them to stop thinking about themselves. The only answer and hope we have is Jesus. And the thing about us is we're so conscious of others in a negative way that we don't want to go to parties with people that are different than us. We've tried so hard to climb the ladder. We've tried so hard to, to establish our, our image that we're so careful to, to, to not, you know, sully ourselves with people that might not be right where we're at. But that is not the heart of Jesus. The, the, the parties that Jesus throws are exclusive and inclusive at the same time. It's great. It's amazing. You can't find better beanie weenies than his parties. Did I say beanie weenies? I meant pigs in a blanket. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. Those things are amazing. You can't find better than what the party that Jesus throws, but it's for everybody, okay? And so you have to accept the RSVP, and here's where it gets tough, and here's where it gets strong, and here's where you might be offended, but I'm just telling you what Jesus said today. Are you ready? Let's put on our Holy Ghost seatbelts, everybody. Click those things in. Okay, you're called. You don't want to wear it? That's fine with me. Here we go. Verse 17, here's my point. Don't allow excuses, say excuses, to keep you away. Verse 17, when the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to tell the guests, come on, the banquet is ready. Now, they have planned. They have set all this stuff up. They have no refrigeration, people. They can't give you a covered plate. It will spoil, folks. There's no refrigeration. Everything is now ready. Now is the time. The Bible says today is the day of salvation, and now is the acceptable time. Today is Baptism Sunday. It's a day for you to take that step of following Jesus. I have a friend, one of the overseers of our church named Mark Johnston. He is a Canadian, and I give him a lot of, lot of I put a lot of negativity in his way because I hate Canadians. I'm joking, I don't, but I act like I do with him just because it blesses me. 
And so he cut himself one time, and I said, oh, oh, is there maple syrup coming out of your vein? Or <laughs> he's a dear friend. I love him. That's what men do. When men love each other, they poke at each other. Can I have some help here? Well, thank you, men. All right. And so I call him, I call him, I call him affectionate things like a filthy Canuck. You're a filthy Canuck. Just because I love him so much anyway, he's 46 years old and he still is working in America. He has the only mega church in Delaware and he's doing it on a green card. And so his children are American citizens, his wife is American citizen, and he's just been waiting. One time we were on family vacation, we took a cruise to the Bahamas many, many, many years ago, and we're in front of the Canadian embassy in the Bahamas, and he gets emotional, and I want to fight him for it. I don't know what the deal is. What's wrong with my heart? <laughs> anyway, he went and got, he went through the naturalization uh, 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 paperwork, and they have to learn a lot about America, they have to do a lot of things, you know, and, and... They give you your approval, okay, and tell you, okay, we're going to make you a U.S. citizen, but we have a swearing-in ceremony, and you can't miss it. And so he decided, you know what, I think, because if he doesn't become a naturalized citizen, he's, he's used up all of the green cards he can get. They're going to kick him out, and I will laugh at that. No, I won't. I love him. I'm just teasing him. I hope you see this. I don't know what that was. They said, we're going to make you a U.S. citizen, but you've got to show up to the ceremony for it to be legit. Some of you are Christians. You've repented of your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. But you ain't never been baptized. I said ain't. I'll say it again. You ain't never been baptized. That's like being a filthy Canuck who wants to be an American citizen by the grace of God, and yet... You've gone through all the classes. Am I, are there any Canadians in the house today? I have, I'm, I'm good. I can keep down this path. But you refuse to show up for the ceremony. That's like baptism. You need to show up for that part of it. The Bible has no precedent for unbaptized believers. When you believe in Jesus, you need to be baptized. The Bible says, he that believeth and is baptized. I'm sorry. It tells us that we need to get baptized. We just need to get baptized. So today's a great day to do it, okay? And so the excuses start coming. Always excuses with these people, all right? Verse 18, but they all began making excuses. One said, I've just bought a field and I must inspect it. Hold on a second. You don't buy real estate without seeing it, but evidently this guy did. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen. And I want to try them out. He's like, I bought a used car. I need to test drive it. The other guy's like, I ordered some packages from Amazon. I got to go to the house and get them. Please excuse me. Another one said, I just got married, so I can't come. And evidently, that doesn't even need to offer some kind of apology. You just say that, and everybody's like, oh, okay, they're married. <laughs> you see the passion that the host of the party had in preparing everything and getting everybody set up and putting out invitations. It's like a picture of the heart of God and his enthusiasm and his desire and his love to host us and to bring us close to himself. But what happens is we just end up giving a bunch of weak excuses. And it bothers the heart of God here. Many of us have been invited into God's kingdom and we've said yes, but then we make up excuses when it comes time for commitment. I hope the seatbelt's on. 
My work schedule's crazy. I got too much going on. Like, uh, my kids, they, they're going to be the next Michael Jordan and we travel. I know that's a thing. At some point, excuses get in the way of commitment. And if you're good at excuses, you're not going to be good at anything else. Just that. And, and here's the message, okay, for the banquet. He goes on and says in verse 21, the servant returned and told his master what they had said. This is for the heart of God. It makes the heart of God furious. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. He's like, I want people who will appreciate this. The beauty of this and the, and, and the scary part of it is if we have too many excuses, you're not going to stop this bus. You're not going to stop the banquet. God is going to have a people. He's going to have a church. He will have those that are sold out. And there is a replacement order. You may be called of God, but if you don't honor that call and prioritize your life, he will find those that will. That is the hard part of this message, but it is absolute truth. And after the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. This would turn the stomach of the Pharisees because the banquet thrower, who they thought was probably God because of the way Jesus was telling it, was bringing in, ready, those people. God forbid we ever think that there's categories of those people gospel is for everybody. 23. So his master said, okay, go out in the country lanes. Go out to Fordland. Drive on out to Seymour. Head on up to Humansville. Go into the country lanes behind the hedges. Behind the hedges. People hiding out and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. God is making room for everybody. The church can't be locked up in religious exclusivity. We can't think that our excuses are going to stop God. God will do what he's going to do. We can either be a part of it or we won't. But God's not going to stop building his church, inviting us to himself. There's power in all that. And he's not inviting you to some serve yourself drive through He's inviting you to his banquet. He's inviting you to his barbecue. He's inviting you to a place where he wants you to come and linger. He's inviting you to a place where he wants to get to know you. He's inviting you to a place greater than anything you could throw for yourself. That is the heart of God for us. And the beauty of that whole picture is there's still room. There's still room. God's helping us make more room. We're going to be building the East Campus soon. There's still going to be room for people. Why? Because that's the heart of God. And so our job is to uh, invite people into that life, into our lives. It's God's job to convict people. So, Lord, you do the convicting. It's other people's job to respond to his invitation. So the question is, will you say yes to God? Or will you be too religious to make room? Or will you have too many excuses to say yes? When will the excuses stop? Holy cow, when will the excuses stop? None of us need to think that we're, we're, we're the only delicate genius that has 
such unique needs and such specialized skill sets and such amazing reasons that we can't be faithful to the call God's placed on our heart. That's enough of that. You know what I'm saying. But Jesus, Jesus doesn't end this by saying, now Jesus loves you. It's all going to be okay. If you're offended, that's, you know, uh, just, just forget about it if you're offended. No, Jesus brings this little talk to a cold close. He drops the mic on them and walks away. Verse 24 says, for none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. Oof. Oof. That's what my Italian grandmother, Mafala Blancata Tolado, used to do when she was there. She oof, oof. You don't remember that? Oof. Cold clothes. This is, this is, this is, this is Jesus. These are the words of the Lord Jesus. For none of those I first invited will even get the smallest taste of my banquet. The time for coming to God is today. You're not excluded, you're included. If you think you're special, you might need to check your heart because the ground at the foot of the cross is all level. All of us are sinners in need of a savior. All of us have received riches from God that we could never pay for. Salvation was free, but it was not cheap in that the only begotten Son of God, the innocent Son of God, died on the cross, shed his blood so that we could be forgiven. That's the death we should have died. That's the life we should have lived. That's the punishment we should have received. But it didn't come to you. It went to Jesus so that you could be free. And through faith in his name, put your faith, your confidence, and trust in him. And he'll give you imputed righteousness. He'll give you righteousness that he earned on his credit for you that you cannot pay for. He will set you free. If you've never been baptized and you're a believer, today's a great day to do it. The weather's perfect. There's enough wind blowing out there that your hair will look amazing. If you have special needs, we have dealt with your needs before and we have an answer to all those solutions. We got specialized hair caps. We got everything, all the clothing, got the hair dryers, got the, I don't know what you use, but all that stuff that you use to get beautiful, we got all that. You'll be amazing. You'll look like you just walked out of the salon or not. Some of you men, it won't look that way. I love you. This is the call to us, for us to follow Jesus. It's the call to discipleship. It's a call to, to, to being sold out, to having the right priorities in our heart to not living with like, I'm better than you. Get rid of all that. What we need is Jesus. This is a Jesus church. This is a Jesus house. And whatever you've dealt with and whatever shame you're carrying and whatever regrets you're feeling, it is nothing for Jesus to take that away and to set you free and to give you hope that you haven't had in forever. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can like and subscribe. You can even share this on your social media. If you do, tag us at The Courageous Church and share what God is doing in your life. Always remember, God's calling you to be strong and very courageous in all that you do. I hope to see you soon. God bless.